section thirteen masterpieces of negro eloquence edited by alice dunbar nelson this librivox recording is in the public domain crispus attics by george l ruffin george l ruffin eighteen thirty four to eighteen eighty five the first negro judge to be appointed in massachusetts graduated in law from harvard eighteen sixty nine he served in the legislature of massachusetts two terms and in the boston council two terms the fifth of march seventeen seventy had been a cold day and a slight fall of snow had covered the ground but at nine o'clock at night it was clear and cold not a cloud to be seen in the sky and the moon was shining brightly a british guard was patrolling the streets with clanking swords and overbearing swagger a sentry was stationed in dock square a party of young men four in number came out of a house in cornhill one of the soldiers was whirling his sword about his head striking fire with it the sentry challenged one of the four young men there was no good blood between them and it took but little to start a disturbance an apprentice boy cried out to one of the guards you haven't paid my master for dressing your hair a soldier said where are the damned yankee boogers i'll kill them a boy's head was split there was more quarrelling between the young men and the guard great noise and confusion a vast concourse of excited people soon collected cries of kill them drive them out they have no business here were heard some citizens were knocked down as also were some soldiers generally speaking the soldiers got the worst of it they were reinforced but steadily the infuriated citizens drove them back until they were forced to take refuge in the custom-house upon the steps of which they were pelted with snowballs and pieces of ice by this time the whole town was aroused exaggerated accounts of the event in dock square flew like wildfire all over the settlement the people turned out en masse in the streets and to add to the general din the bells of the town were rung the regiment which held the town at that time was the twenty ninth captain preston seemed to have been in command he was sent for went to the custom-house learned what had occurred and at once put troops in motion on they came up king street now state street with fixed bayonets clearing everything before them as they came they had nearly reached the head of king street when they met with opposition a body of citizens had been formed near by and came pushing violently through the street then called cornhill around into king street they were armed only with clubs sticks and pieces of ice but on they came nothing daunted they went up to the points of the soldiers bayonets the long pent-up feeling of resentment against a foreign soldiery was finding a vent this was the time and the opportunity to teach tyrants that freemen can at least strike back though for the time they strike in vain at the head of this body of citizens was a stalwart coloured man crispus attucks he was the leading spirit of their body and their spokesman they pressed the british sorely on all sides making the best use of their rude arms crying they dare not strike let us drive them out the soldiers stood firm the reach of their long bayonets protected them from any serious injury for a while from time to time attucks voice could be heard urging his companions on said he the way to get rid of these soldiers is to attack the main guard strike at the root this is the nest at that time some one gave the order to fire captain preston said he did not at any rate the order was given the soldiers fired it was a death-dealing volley of the citizens three lay dead two mortally wounded and a number more or less injured 
crispus attucks james caldwell and samuel gray were killed outright attucks fell his face to the foe with two bullets in his breast that night closed an eventful day the first martyr blood had reddened the streets of boston and the commencement of the downfall of british rule in america had set in said daniel webster from that moment we may date the severance of the british empire the patriotic fires kindled in the breasts of those earnest and true men upon whose necks the british yoke never sat easily never were quenched after that massacre until the invader had been driven from the land and independence had been achieved the sight of the blood of their comrades in king street quickened their impulses and hastened the day for a more general outbreak which we now call the revolutionary war this was no mob as some have been disposed to call it they had not the low and grovelling spirit which usually incites mobs this was resistance to tyranny this was striking for homes and firesides this was the noblest work which a patriot can ever perform as well call lexington a mob and bunker hill a mob i prefer to call this skirmish in king street on the fifth of march seventeen seventy as anson burlingame called it the dawn of the revolution about that time the american people set out to found a government to be dedicated to freedom which was to remain an asylum to the oppressed of all lands for ever the central idea of this government was to be liberty and a declaration was made by them to the world that all men are created free and equal and have the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness this was the government to be established in the land which had been fought for and won in the sacrifice of the blood of both black and white men did they do it did they intend to do it did they believe in and intend to carry out this magnificent declaration of principles a declaration which startled the crowned heads of europe and sent a thrill of delight to the hearts of the lovers of liberty through christendom no they did not do it neither did they intend to do it this manifesto of july fourth seventeen seventy six was a fraud and a deception it was the boldest falsification known to history it was a sham and a lie instead of establishing freedom they built fostered and perpetuated slavery instead of equality they gave us inequality instead of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness they gave us death bondage and misery instead of rearing on these shores a beautiful temple to liberty they made a foul den for slavery and this country which should have been the garden spot of the world covered with a prosperous and happy population of freemen was under the guidance of traitors to liberty made the prison house of slaves and betrayed in the house of her friends the goddess of liberty for nearly one hundred years after the establishment of our government sat in chains attucks was in feeling sympathies and in all other respects essentially an american and so were the other colored patriots of the revolution and why shouldn't they be they were born and bred here and knew no other country as was true of their fathers they had been here as long as the puritans they came here the same year sixteen twenty in fact had been here a little longer for while plymouth rock was only reached in december of that year the blacks were at jamestown in the early spring in every difficulty with the mother country the colored men took sides with the colonists and on every battlefield when danger was to be met they were found shoulder to shoulder with the rest of the republicans sharing the burden of war at lexington where the farmers hastily seized their muskets and gathered on the plain and at the bridge to resist with the sacrifice of their lives the approach of the british forces prince astabrook negro man as the salem gazette of that day called him rallied with his neighbors and comrades in arms and fell on the field a wounded man fighting the foe 
he like attucks was both of and with the people their cause was his cause their home was his home their fight was his fight at bunker hill a few months later we know there was a goodly number of colored men history has saved to us the names of some of them how many there were whose names were not recorded of course we cannot now tell andover sent titus coburn alexander ames and brarzillet low plymouth sent cato howe and peter salem immortalized his name by levelling the piece in that battle which laid low major pitcairn it is fair to presume that other towns like andover sent in the ranks of their volunteers colored americans in the town of raynham within forty miles of boston there is now a settlement of colored people who have been there for three or four generations the founder of which toby gilmore was an old revolutionary veteran who had served his country faithfully stoughton corner contributed quack matrix to the ranks of the revolutionary soldiers lancaster sent job lewis east bridgewater prince richard so did many other towns and states in this commonwealth rhode island raised a regiment which did signal service at red bank in completely routing the hessian force under colonel Dunop. but it was not in distinctively colored regiments or companies that colored men chiefly fought in the revolution it was in the ranks of any and all regiments and by the side of their white companions in arms they were mainly to be found attucks was born not a great way from boston at farmingen where his brothers and sisters lived for a long time at some time during his life he was a slave whether he was a slave at the time of the occurrence of the events i am now relating is not so clear one of the witnesses at the trial of the soldiers testified that attucks belonged to new providence and was here on his way to north carolina i am inclined to think that at this time in seventeen seventy he was in the possession of his liberty having got it in the same manner that very many slaves since obtained their freedom by giving leg bail nearly twenty years before he had run away from his masters appears from an advertisement in the boston gazette of november twenty seventeen fifty from this advertisement it would appear that at the time of the engagement in king street attucks was about forty-seven years of age a powerful man and an ugly foe to encounter twenty years of freedom and the moving from one part of the country to the other as far away as north carolina must have enlarged his views and given him the spirit of a free man that he partook of the spirit which animated those of his countrymen who would throw off the british yoke is shown by the language used by him on this memorable occasion let us drive out the rebels they have no business here said he and they re-echoed them these words are full of meaning they tell the story of the revolution one hundred and six years have passed away king street and royal exchange lane have lost their names cornhill has lost its identity the king's collectors no longer gather at the custom-house and epauletted british officers no longer lounge away winter evenings in the reading-room of concert hall that once stately pile is no more one hundred and six years ago george the third was king and these colonies were british dependencies since that time marvellous changes have been made in the world's history probably never before have so many and so great changes taken place in the same space of time slavery then existed in massachusetts as it did in the other colonies it grew to huge proportions and dominated all other interests in the land and for years brought shame and disgrace upon us but our country now stands redeemed disenthralled the promises of seventeen seventy six are now realized the immortal heroes of that age did not die in vain we have now thanks to the author of all good a free country a republic of imperial proportions a domain as extensive and a government as powerful as that of the nations of antiquity or of the present time and better than all over all this broad land there does not walk a slave in this centennial anniversary of the nation's existence it is quite in order to suggest and i do suggest that a monument be erected to the memory of the first martyr of the revolution crispus attucks End of 
section thirteen